I'm Desiree. And I'm Taylor. You're tuned into Birthkeeper Banter, a space to discuss powerful birth stories, radical birthkeeping, and all things birth outside of the box. This podcast is produced by Herbal Training, and nothing discussed should be considered medical advice because birth is not a medical event. For classes and more information, go to herbal.teachable.com. Okay, welcome to this episode of Birthkeeper Banter. Today is 420, and fittingly, we thought we would do an episode on cannabis use, specifically during the fertile time in a woman's life and pregnancy and breastfeeding and why it might be used um, and the different contraindications and controversy of using cannabis. So first, I say cannabis because I don't like the term marijuana. Um, Some people might have never heard of this, but marijuana actually has really derogatory association with it because when... um, His name specifically is Harry Anslinger. He started running a campaign for the Bureau of Narcotics, and he would always use marijuana because he thought that it sounded like fierce and ugly and scary. So he really took that word from the Mexican people and used it for derogatory language towards cannabis. And um, what he would specifically say in his statements are that, Marijuana is the most violence-causing drug in the history of mankind. Most marijuana smokers are Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. Their satanic music, jazz, and swing result from marijuana usage. (laughs) And I think that is so funny. (laughs) It truly is. He put a criminal connotation on the term, and I'm the same way. I correct people. When they say marijuana, I'm like, absolutely not. That is the criminal term. We are not going to use that. That is not even the true name of it. That's a criminal connotation because of this guy, whoever this hairy guy is. <laughs> right, exactly. And from there, it's just been used to criminalize Black people and Hispanic people. And it's so silly. All over a plant are people going to prison for years and years and years. And it is just the most ridiculous thing that could have possibly been started because the government realized that people were profiting off of it. And healing. They're also healing as well. So they're like, wow, this will replace X, Y, and Z medication more than X, Y, Z. How about A through Z, every medication? And they didn't like that. I'd be scared too if I was going to lose billions of dollars if people kept using this. I would definitely say that's so dangerous. You shouldn't do it. You know, it makes sense financially for their gain. Right, exactly. Um, So what are some reasons that you have seen, either personally or professionally, that one of your clients, for example, needed to use cannabis in their pregnancy? Have you ever had anything like that? Absolutely. So a lot is like with anxiety. Um, A lot of girls that have anxiety or past traumas and they're trying to just be calm and stay in a positive mindset or women who struggle with insomnia for the most part. Aches and pains are another, but that's not as prominent as like those who just need to sleep. Um, Morning sickness, especially way better than Zofran. That's what it's called, right? That stuff that makes babies have abnormalities and it's horrific. Yeah, so cannabis, I always suggest that for women and those who aren't able to use that for whatever the reason, um, CBD or, you know, the different Delta stuff, like I'll suggest those things. Um, But for the most part, that's what I would suggest they use them for. Um, Are there any other 
times where you feel like they'd be great to be used? Yeah, I'd say beyond the morning sickness, I wanted to mention hyperemesis gravidarum or HG, um, where women are just constantly violently throwing up, can't keep down any hydration, no nourishment, nothing. And this puts them and their babies at a risk of death. So them using cannabis, especially with THC in it, because a lot of the CBD products don't work for those moms, um, but full-blown cannabis, that can be life-changing for them and help them carry pregnancies and not have to spend so much time in the hospital and uh, not have to have these drips, these lines that are keeping them hydrated and nourished because they just can't keep anything down otherwise. And like you said, Zofran... Yeah, like time away from their family. So instead of going to the hospital, those HG moms could utilize this plant, you know, that works better than these man-made pharmaceuticals so they can stay home with their family. Absolutely. Right. And I've also seen that it can help regulate emotions and dreams. So like you mentioned, anxiety, people that have anxiety or they just feel like their emotions are all over the place. Sometimes cannabis can regulate that. And can also regulate dreams that are really scary for pregnant women. So some people experience when they go to sleep, they have these horrible dreams about a bad labor or something like that. And because cannabis affects how you dream at night, that can actually help that. It can alleviate the dreams completely or just make them more positive because it shifts how your endocannabinoid system works. Interesting. For myself, personally, it totally shuts off my ability to dream. I don't dream very much. Right. And that might be helpful. (laughs) It sure is. I don't have any nightmares, I'll tell you that. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We also know that it's helpful for those with trauma, specifically PTSD it's been studied with. So anybody that has birth trauma that makes them experience similar side effects as PTSD, or if it is full-blown PTSD, they would receive help with that, with cannabis. Um, So in your experience with people that have used drugs, um, have you seen it helpful for those people to switch over to just cannabis during pregnancy? And has that helped them stay away from any more harmful drugs? Absolutely. The girls that I work with that use these drugs, along with the cannabis, I find that the cannabis really helps them. So whenever they're feeling over anxious and their maintenance drug that they use daily, it doesn't get them high. Um, so this additional you know, use of cannabis helps with that. So if they're like in a bind and they're really stressed out, instead of going and getting drugs, they use this. And I do see that it's far more helpful. It at least gives them that time to calm down in that moment and gather their thoughts and whatnot. Um, Yeah. And then even my girls who don't have any drug issues or anything, they use it for similar reasons. Whenever they get super, super stressed, they can use this to try and just chill out. And like you had said, I want to go back and touch on the trauma. So most of my ladies that I work with, they usually come with a lot of trauma from either this particular pregnancy with a abusive provider or previous. And that really can help to work through those things and for them to sit down and calm down and then process that slowly in their mind and think of how things went and how they could be different. Um, And that really helps them process those traumas. So yeah, I've seen it be beneficial in those regards that you've shared about as well. That totally makes sense. 
And have you seen any changes postpartum in people that have maybe stopped using cannabis and then start using it again postpartum for whatever reason? Have you ever had any experience with that? So I have personal experience with that. My first two babies, I stopped using, I don't know, around 36 weeks because I was birthing in a facility. And I had that fear of, oh, what if they drug test you? I didn't know. Um, and no, I didn't. I used the day I gave birth or the day I went home, actually. Actually, one of my babies, I went outside of the hospital and smoked in the parking lot. Uh, I remember <laughs> that. And I had no issue. I felt great. I was so happy to go back in and see my baby. Yes, I was. I had no anxiety, <laughs> no postpartum depression. Uh, with any of my babies. My second two, I used the whole pregnancy postpartum and had no difference there either. With the girls that I work with, some of them do choose to stop, uh, you know, 36 weeks or so, even though they plan to birth at home, they still take that precaution. And then when they use postpartum, nope, I've not seen anything weird. Not at all. Awesome. Yeah, I would say um, in my personal experience as well, I haven't seen too much of it with clients just because I don't really ask. But um, I would say with the twins, when I was a surrogate, I wasn't able to use cannabis at all during that pregnancy. Totally miserable pregnancy, by the way. Um, and cannabis would have been really, really helpful during that time. But once I was able to actually use cannabis postpartum, I felt so much better because I was going through waves of like postpartum depression after their birth. And being able to use that cannabis to just chill the heck out <laughs> was so helpful yeah. for me. So yeah, it definitely made a difference mentally there for myself. The only thing I would maybe is that you might get super baked. So that did happen to me, me and my <laughs> husband. <laughs> I got like way, way, way higher, just taking two or three hits, but I had not used uh, cannabis in what, four, five weeks so yeah, that, that definitely happened, but that's really the only quote side effect. I mean, that occurred in stopping and then picking up. That totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> because everything <laughs> has been chilled out, not used, those receptors not used, and then boom, all of a sudden they're being used again. Right. Nice little reset. Yep. <laughs> and as far as breast milk, have you ever been personally concerned that your babies were getting side effects from the cannabis in the breast milk? I wouldn't say concerned, but I was curious. Yes. So with my first baby, I was curious and I was what, 20 years old and I wanted to do a little science experiment. So I tested uh, my breast milk, her urine and my urine. And the only one that came up with a positive for cannabis, this was, they were all cannabis tests was my urine. My breast milk did not show. Of course, I'm not a lab. This was just a home, you know, cannabis test. And that's what I found. And to me, that set my mind at ease. And then I went on to learn there's actually not much in there. And if so, I'm not really worried about that passing to my baby because of all of the beneficial um, benefits of the cannabinoids that are being passed over. I'm really not concerned about that. Right. So breast milk, even though it's different than the phytocannabinoids that are in the cannabis plant, we do have an endocannabinoid system and our breast milk does contain cannabinoids in it. So our babies are already getting part of that and not even that they're just getting it, but it is essential to their brain and their development. So there's something called 2AG that if babies don't get enough of that from breast milk, and just as a note, they don't get that in formula at all. Um, their brains can actually be hindered 
from development and they can fall into failure to thrive from not getting that two AG in the breast milk. So I thought that was really cool. So just to kind of clarify on what you had just said there, um, women who aren't using cannabis in any capacity naturally have these endocannabinoids, the uh, 2-AG, they're in women who use cannabis? Yes, exactly. Right. And that is super beneficial. And people are like, oh, I don't want that to go to your baby. Oh, it's already, you naturally produce these things to go to your baby. Right. And it increases their appetite. It's what first leads them to cluster feed and make the mom's milk supply come in when they're first born. So it's absolutely essential for them and for the mother's breastfeeding journey to get these cannabinoids. So I think that's just so cool that that's already there. It is. Aren't they teaching this in midwifery school? Or how about those OBs or the CNMs? Why don't they know about (laughs) this kind of stuff? Like they're, oh, that's dangerous. It's not girl, go find a chair book because no (laughs) (laughs) exactly and then I was looking at studies too of what dosage does a baby actually get of THC if the mom is a heavy user and of course there's no study that is actually solid on what they get there was a huge range of the bioavailability of THC to the infant through breast milk Um, so basically it's unknown So nobody can say how much a baby is going to get, if they're even going to get any. But the guess is anywhere from 0.04% to as much as 9%. That is a huge range. And so really, they're like, well, we have no answers for you. (laughs) And they can't. So it's so hard to know. Right. I think it depends a lot with the... Uh, what's that? Your metabolism. Okay. Cause like for myself, I can get cannabis out of my system very, very quickly, less than two weeks, less than a week. I've done it before and had a negative test. Whereas my husband will take over a full month, well over 45 days to have a clean urine after using cannabis. So everybody's different and women are going to be the same way. Just like every other regard of life, everybody's going to be different process things differently and be transferring different amounts, I'm sure they could never get an accurate, solid, straightforward number. Right, exactly. And so no doctor can say how a baby is going to respond to a mother using cannabis during pregnancy or using cannabis while they're breastfeeding. Um, There will never be any solid studies on that, on positive or negative effects, because every baby is going to be different. And there's so many variables And um, because of this, doctors will say, well, because of the unknown, we shouldn't encourage you to take this or we shouldn't allow you to take it or call CBS on you for taking it. But in the same breath with their vaccines and their other medications where the effects are unknown, they will encourage it. So I just find that ironic. It is like, oh, you're a bad mom. You don't want this vaccine that's killed hundreds and thousands of babies, but you're using cannabis, so I am going to call CPS. Many states do call CPS on mothers who have this in their system, either in pregnancy or at the time of birth, which is so effed, right? Because some women use um, CBD that has trace amounts of THC and they have CPS at their door, excuse me. Like those things really should not be happening at all. And they're pushing these poisons and that's okay. Like what? Right, exactly. (laughs) It just goes to show how their bias really influences what they do and do not recommend, and that it's not actually evidence-based. 
Right. Like a conflict of interest, financial interest to be specific, maybe. Right. Absolutely. Have you ever had a client um, fall into the issue of CPS being called on them? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. So what did they do in that situation as far as cannabis and breastfeeding? Did they have to go through a whole investigation or how did that go? You bet. So it, it's usually straightforward and it usually goes the same ex- the women that I've worked with, as well as the stories I've heard from others um, that shared their story with me. Um, a lot of it is they open the case in the hospital postpartum, and then um, they come to their house, they do a home visit, and then they want to have a clean urine. So as long as that mom doesn't use for however long, they set a date, they come get a clean urine, case closed. Uh, they're really not concerned about that for the most part. It's really the moms that show up with like meth or heroin in their system. But a big way to negate all of that is to stay home. And a big way to stay home and negate having to go to a facility is to be well, have a well mind, and you're manifesting, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I've definitely seen that. Right, absolutely. And in those situations where it was just cannabis being used, not any other uh, drugs or substances or anything, did you see any problems in the babies that were born? Absolutely not. I did want to actually go back. I had one client who did not birth at the hospital. She birthed. She had uh, the partner's family who was not supportive of the choice, and they had called CPS on her and cannabis in her system. And they came and made a whole big thing. They wanted her to go to the hospital and do all these different things and whatnot. So it can happen as well. So be wary of who you tell things to and things like that would be my suggestion there. But what was your question? Definitely. Totally forget. Um, I was asking if you had seen any problems in the babies that were born from moms that were using cannabis. Yeah, no. Nope, not mine. I have more <laughs> cannabis either. babies. None in the I've worked with and a lot of them use cannabis definitely not all of them but no no issues great nursing relationships everything like that right and I've definitely seen the same I know when I was working in the daycare when I was younger I didn't have my own kids at this point but um, I would see babies all the time that would come in from their foster parents or whatever and they had fetal alcohol syndrome that caused defects or they would have uh come from the NICU, withdrawing from heroin or something like that. And they would always have big issues. But never once did I see a baby come in and the mom say, oh, yeah, they were withdrawing from cannabis. Um, So there's no (laughs) issues like this happening. (laughs) No defects that I've ever seen from cannabis or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, even my girl other things I didn't see effects on those babies either there was only maybe one I saw things but cannabis absolutely not if anything those babies are equal to their counterparts everybody else in the same box they all position well at birth nursing well in working well yeah I can't say I've seen anything yeah from the use And if um, you look at the CDC and why they argue against cannabis use in pregnancy and breastfeeding, they claim that it decreases birth weight and can increase neonatal morbidity. But when I look at these studies, um, not only are the variances like so small between the percentages of babies that had problems and the moms that were using cannabis versus babies who were the control group, 
Um, I also have to wonder, like, what did they do in these pregnancies? Were the moms vaccinated? That's not brought up. What kind of birth did they have? That's not brought up at all. So there's so many variables. And the fact yeah, that they're using stations. cannabis. Right, exactly. And they're just using cannabis as a bias and definitely can't claim that that was the only problem in why results came out the way that they did with that small group of babies. Right. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. And what did they remove from the study that they were like, oh, this will make it go in this favor. So let's, you can literally find studies on cannabis on any other topic favoring either way I find, but cannabis, it's hard. It's very hard. And I feel like it's because they know that it's not really a concern of decreasing the size of baby or the morbidity. It's really increasing their financial revenue. That is really their biggest concern, the CDC. And yeah, of course they want to make money. Right, absolutely. And if we look at the Jamaican study that happened, um, this was back in like 2013 that this was published. Um, a woman, a doctor researcher, she followed a whole bunch of Jamaican women that were Rastafarian, and they use cannabis for religious purposes and just as their lifestyle in general. And what she found, including doing a five-year follow-up on all the babies, um, she found that the babies coming from the moms that use cannabis during their pregnancy and breastfeeding, they were pretty significantly better off than the moms that didn't use cannabis in their pregnancy. And of course, she can be biased too, but it was a pretty large study and ironic that she found no problems whatsoever in any of the babies. Hmm. Wow. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> struggling right. to be surprised <laughs> same thing I found um, exactly exactly and that study is pretty amazing and she is very open about everything that she did um, doesn't try to hide any of the details she explains her exact process and the studies that I found countering cannabis they don't do that they don't really get into all the details of everything and I feel like that is really important um, also mentioning that the fact that she did it on Jamaican women is huge because people don't think about how cannabis is used for a religious purpose. And women of color in the hospital are being picked on for cannabis use all of the time and having their babies taken away for this and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but doctors aren't considering that this might be for religious purposes. Right. It's their right. Like, how can you discriminate against somebody's religion or their way of praising, honoring their, or like, if that's what they do, how can you say no? It's a plant. It's a plant that grows right. naturally without anybody, you know. Exactly. It is so insane. Um, but beyond pregnancy and breastfeeding, in your fertility clients or people that have come to you about fertility problems, have you ever seen a relation with people that use cannabis and having fertility issues? Have you ever seen that correlated at all? No, um, actually, <laughs> now that I'm like thinking about it, all the ladies that I've worked with in the last year, fertility wise, none of them or their partner use cannabis and they're struggling to conceive. I never thought about that actually, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> no, I'm thinking back at all the girls that I talked to and none of those families partner, either of them are using cannabis or have. Right. So I was doing some research on cannabis and fertility and how 
it could possibly impact. Um, I did find some studies that indicated that cannabis could possibly be associated with lower sperm count. But then as soon as I read that, I was like, maybe because cannabis does kill cancer cells. And we know that that's been highly researched, especially in breast cancer. Uh, maybe cannabis is killing off the sperm that cannot produce a baby effectively. And I was just like, wow, maybe that's the body and cannabis working together to actually do these people a favor so that they don't have miscarriages or that they don't have um, shallow implantation or birth defects or anything like that. And it can actually help fertility in that way. I thought that was a really cool, different perspective that kind of came to my mind. It definitely is. It would get rid of, it could possibly get rid of the sperm that have the poor tails or don't have a tail or a bent tail or have genetic abnormalities or have no mobility, can't swim, play the bad ones and kills them off, which could be beneficial. That definitely would make sense. Right. And then I explored a little bit more on the endocannabinoid system and what it does in conception and early pregnancy development. And it actually is a huge role in building the placenta, which I thought was awesome because I'm all into the placenta and yeah. the endocannabinoid system, but never related the two. And um, the endocannabinoid system actually does a lot for that initial embryo development and placenta development. Um, of course, excessive use by burning out like the endocannabinoid receptors, that can be bad from what I've seen and how like the science works but that's going to be with anything. Right. Overuse of anything is not going to be beneficial. That makes sense. And then you were saying earlier about, is it smoke related? Is it just from the smoke or, you know, cannabis related consumption wise? Right. Absolutely. Because if somebody has like bad lungs, for example, smoke isn't going to be good for their oxygen levels. It's just going to keep bringing that down. So that's not really the ideal way to consume any kind of medicine, I imagine. So I would definitely encourage like edibles or oil or something like that instead. I do, I do um, always suggest to my clients to use edibles instead. There is though one little curve that some people will just not respond to consumed cannabis. They will not feel anything. Um, my husband is, I've had clients that were the same and they will only respond to smoking it. Whereas myself personally, if I smoke, I will not, it won't do much of much. Um, but if I can, it works far more efficiently, but I also have asthma and I don't really smoke very much ever. So yeah, I do, I do tell a lot of girls to consume the edibles, but some people it just won't work. Right. And I find that edibles, they usually cause um, me anxiety, even if it's like a non-anxious strain or something like that, like an Endica. Um, edibles always make me very anxious. And um, I like to use oils instead, like just the straight oil. If um, I don't want to smoke or something like that, that tends to be a little bit better for me than taking an edible. That's interesting. That's what I put in my edibles. I put oil into it. I don't decide we use it for whatever. I'm just curious, like, what do uh -huh. you do? How do you, do you just put it in capsules or what do you do with it? Nope. Just like a tincture, just put it straight under my tongue. So I think it absorbs into the blood okay, differently yeah. that way rather than going through my that. whole digestive process. Man, that is smart. Great idea. <laughs>
<laughs> right. I learned that with, um, cause my son uses medical cannabis. So I saw all of the different tinctures and things that were available in the store and the oil works a lot better. Interesting. Yeah. So for people that can't use THC based products for whatever reason, or they don't feel comfortable, um, there are a lot of other options out there. So there is just regular CBD oil, there are hemp products, and also terpenes, which I found out about just a couple years ago. I haven't really experimented with them much, but they're totally legal. You can buy them at any CBD shop or smoke shop for the most part, and they have all kinds of different effects without getting you high. Like you can get terpenes for energy, you can get them for sleep or whatever you're trying to go for. And I think that that is a really cool option, too. Yeah, they're also in certain uh, products as well, like the RSO I buy uh, will have a lot of different terpenes, depending on the kind that I get, the different strains. Some are going to be, you know, from different products and whatnot, but some of them are more citrusy, some are more pine and woody, um, and they all have different effects on the body, and they're, you have to look into each of them. They're very, very different, but those can be helpful. Delta 8 is another new one um, that, for me, that's pretty new for me. It, I'm told it doesn't really get you high as much, so I've never really been interested, but I know that it's something <laughs> that you can get pretty much anywhere. Right. I have heard about that lately. I haven't looked into it too much, but apparently it's like totally legal. Anybody can buy it, mm -hmm. um, but it does have a good amount enough THC to relieve like pregnancy nausea or something like that if somebody needed that. Right. That's definitely something that's been brought up a lot. And I'm like, what? A couple girls mentioned it and I'm like, I don't know what that is. And then I was like, okay, I got to look into this a little bit. I don't know a whole bunch, but I do know a lot of it. Um, has been a vapor, a vapor form in a pen kind of thing. Mm. I've not seen it in flower form or anything like that uh, as mm -hmm. of yet. I have used it, had bought vape pens of it, and they said it was really great. So that they weren't like, you know, super baked at the grocery store. They were just able to be calm and have no anxiety at the store um, while they're shopping with their kids, stuff like that. So yeah, similar to CBD is kind of how I've had that processed in my brain. That's really cool. And yeah, I would say for anybody listening, um, we're not pushing cannabis on you, but just letting you know that it is a really cool option to use if you're in the season of motherhood and you're wanting to utilize it for its medicinal purposes. Um, I would say be mindful of where you get it from because some places that you will find it have pesticides, other additives, any chemicals or anything like that. Those might also play into a role of the negative studies that you're seeing because people are ingesting those chemicals or preservatives. Also get really, really lucky and get a bag that's laced with PCP and you're going to see a whole different realm and a whole new world. <laughs> and that could probably play into studies as well. Yeah, that's a scary time. So be careful right. where you're getting it from. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> that is so true. But is there anything else that you would add about cannabis? Just be mindful, really, for the most part. And if you are in a legal state... Uh, that has it for medicinal use and you can get one of those cards they can be so expensive it's really just for the government to make money in my opinion but if you have a lot of haters like I do I would totally encourage you to get a card that way you can't get in trouble for using a plant um, that you should be able to use regardless but that's something that I personally chose to do because I know that 
people would like to make false claims about me. So yeah, for other people who are worried about the legal aspects, if you have it legal in your state, go ahead and get a card, make yourself be free. Absolutely. And we have an amazing cannabis doctor here. And there are a whole bunch of wonderful cannabis doctors out there in the states that do have it medicinally. And there's some states now that have it recreationally, which I think is so awesome. <laughs> that right. should be everywhere. That should be everywhere. Another thing that I found is like some people are like, oh, well, what if the doctor doesn't want to give it to me? Listen, they're they're trying to give it to you. You can go in there and they're going to be like, oh, you have uh, anxiety. I can tell because you keep looking to the right, you know, like they're wanting to hand it out. So don't feel like you got to go in there and sell them a story. They are wanting to give people cannabis. So that's how they make money. Go in, get your card. They're not going to fight you. Definitely. I did find that a lot of people are scared of that, especially when bringing their kids in that are having problems with seizures or that are on chemotherapy like Noah is, for example. Um, a lot of people are scared to take their kids in because they're fearful of CPS, finding out that they're trying to get their kid a cannabis card. But these doctors are so loving and wanting people to heal because they know the benefits of cannabis. They're not in this to do anybody dirty or call CPS or anything. They're part of this foundational movement to get cannabis completely legal. So it's really not something to be afraid of. Yes, I agree. Like, and I also feel that the doctor that I saw this old man and uh, the team that was there, the person in the office, the, the nurse and the other guy, like, Every, they were different. They were different kind of people. They were down to earth, like, hey, joking around, playing with my kids, like, not like your mainstream doctor's office. They were so chill. And then we were leaving and the one girl's out there smoking a joint. I'm like, okay, these are different kind of people. They're not trying to fight me or, you know, yeah, it was pretty straightforward for me. Right. They're definitely more in line with the natural community for sure. Yes. Okay. Well, is there anything else that you would add? Nope. That's it. Okay, sounds good. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode, everybody. Happy 420.